Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Once I played a penny who just couldn't stop the beat. Yes, with roller skates on her feet. Because it's recently deceased A real cool mom Musical version of Tina Fey Tina Fey Now come with me and fly I am your host, Miss Carrie Butler Together you and I are breaking Welcome to Breaking Broadway. I recently announced the launch of my signature course, Breaking Into Broadway, and I have a super special offer just for my podcast listeners. Check it out at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. My guest on Breaking Broadway today is my dear, dear friend, Laura Bell Bundy. We shared a dressing room together in Hairspray. Then she went on to steal Legally Blonde from me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Most recently, she has been on Fairly Odd Parents. um, And she's upcoming starring in her first Broadway play, The Cottage. She's also had this unbelievable country career as a singer. And we will touch on that in her interview as well. But it's like two careers going at the same time. And actually, she always has a million things going on at the same time. Welcome, Laurel Bundy. Hi, <laughs> <Right>, Carrie. <laughs> um, so we always start with your journey in theater. When did you first fall in love with theater? I think I fell in love with the, I fell in love with musical entertainment. Right. So I think it started for me with musical movies. Ah, okay. It started for me with musical movies and just like Wizard of Oz and Sound of Music. And then, of course, I would see local productions and I would, I was doing like song and dance. I also loved pageants. Uh huh. Performing. You know, my mom <laughs> was running a pageant when I was a small kid. My aunt was semifinalist in Miss America and I won a pageant. I didn't know your mom was running it. Yeah, my yeah, my mother was running a a small pageant 
in Kentucky called the Miss uh-huh. Fayette County Pageant when I was oh, little. Gosh. So I would see all these women doing their talent. Uh-huh. And I, I'm a, I was like a natural born mimic. I would <laughs> mimic them and put on my own pageants as a kid. And then I ended up <laughs> at five, because I think she started this when I was like three. At five, I ended up winning this pageant. And I won a new car. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, and your mom's actually, like, you got to keep this up. <laughs> yeah, my mother's like, hey, we'll take the money. Okay. <laughs> um, and we ended up getting this opportunity to go to New York. Mm. Um, and some people know this story because this is my true origin story. Um, but uh, there was, it for those of you who might be old enough to remember the Phil Donahue show. Yes. Um, the pageant director called us. Uh, when I was five, right after I won the pageant, saying that the Phil Donahue show is going to do an episode on children's pageants and you'd get an all expense paid trip to go to New York City. Oh my gosh. And so my mom was like, oh my God, we got to go to Kmart and get new clothes. <laughs> and so we did. And I got this like also this ornate pageant gown, uh, the, the the Phil Donahue one time only beaded uh <laughs> extravaganza. And so we get there. One of my favorite memories from that moment was uh, we were in the dressing room and we were with a bunch of other pageant girls and their moms. And I looked like a drag queen. I mean, I had (laughs) mascara and and I had, you know, fully big done up hair. I looked like Dolly Parton. And then I had uh, rouge and lipstick Mm -hmm, on. mm -hmm. And there are these girls there and they're spraying their hair with hairspray that has glitter in it. Oh. And my mom says, oh, no, we don't use glitter. We're classy. <gasps> and it's just so <laughs> ironic because if I looked in the mirror, you'd be like, oh, we are. We're classy. Okay. Anyway, so we go on this thing. It ends up being an expose on children's pageants. They're all like, I can't believe you're doing this to your daughters, blah, 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 blah. The, it's the tr- women of the tri-state area turning on the women from the South. Oh, boy. And I'm just sitting on stage like. I really thought I was a princess. I thought I was a winner. You know, I was making things happen for myself at five (laughs) years old. So this was the first time I realized there might be something wrong with it. And this feeling I now identify as shame at the time did not know how to name it. But we leave this thing and my mama's like, well, I can't believe the head has come all the way up. And I mean, she, she grabbed me like I was flying down a New York City street, you know, mm-hmm. but the way she was holding me, oh. my hand. And we, and she marched my little us all the way over to Ford Modeling Agency. And so she walks in and she's like, <laughs> we're here to see the children's division. Oh. <laughs> and they're like, well, do you have an appointment? The guy at the front, he's like, do you have an appointment? She's like, well, no, but this is Miss Pee Wee Hemisphere. And if oh. they're going to meet her, they're, they're going to need to meet her now because we're leaving tomorrow. And he calls up and he's like, yeah, there's the crazy lady down there. <laughs> oh, the kid's pretty cute. Okay. You can go up. So we go up. It's like five flights of steps. They do not have an elevator at the Ford Modeling Agency because obviously they want their models to stay trim, <laughs> even their five-year-olds. And we get all the way up to, to the top and they end up signing me to a five-year contract. Wow. Yes. And my, at that point, my mom goes, well, wait, I live here. <laughs> They're like, well, there's this thing called summer kids. You can come up to New York City in the summer when your kids are on school break and they can model. And next year, she's going to be a perfect size five when she's six. So we would love to have you come this summer. 
And that's in the modeling world. There's the size five, size 10, size 14 for kids sizes. Those are the best. Mm -hmm. So my mom is very excited, calls my dad and is like, Dawn, Eileen Ford Sander, you know, Brooke Shields, that's the same agency. You know, she's like so excited. So we go back to Times Square, which is where our, our hotel was at Sheridan, uh, the Sheridan on 7th Avenue. Uh, you know this. It was, it, in fact, it's like across the street from the backstage of where Beetlejuice, the first right, theater. Right. right. And so my mom walks into the Palace Theater. And I believe this was pre-TKTS. She -hmm. walks into the Palace Theater and she says, I need your best and cheapest ticket. (gasps) And it was for Starlight Express. And they gave us a ticket to see Starlight Express. Or they didn't give us. We bought it. Uh It was in the box. And I just still remember the smell of the metal Uh bar that I was leaning against. Uh And so that was my very first Broadway show. And And what was crazy is almost 20 years exactly, 20 years later, I opened in Legally Blonde at the Palace Theater. So that was the beginning of my love affair with musical theater. And then that summer, when I came up for my first modeling thing year, I went to see Les Mis and Cats and I mean, multiple times, like multiple times I became obsessed and my, I was, I was determined I was going to be Cosette in, in, um, (laughs) in Les Mis. That is a hilarious story too. So my mom found the vocal coach for all the Cosettes and set up auditions. And then my mom would find like the dance teachers that taught kids and stock them at Broadway Dance Center. So I would come to New York City in the summers for this modeling thing, which I thought was just awful because it's so boring and you stand still. Right. Um, and I like to move, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was just getting this hyper education in musical theater. Every summer I would come up because I would go see shows and I would do training and blah, 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 blah. So finally, the summer that I was nine years old. Now, this is after I auditioned for Les Mis and my mom brought me in looking like a yet again, you know, John <laughs> Benet Ramsey is for <laughs> for Cosette. And they were like, yeah, we got to tone it down. And I really think then my mom brought me back with dirt on my face. Like, <gasps> oh you know, I mean, gosh. then it was like, how do we make this work? Oh I never God. got Cosette. I was very close to getting Will Rogers Follies. It was mm. between me and I think the girl got it, which was, I think, Eden Regal. And, um, and then finally, I auditioned for Radio City Musical's Christmas show when I was nine, and uh, and I got the part. Now, here's another Lorna Bell Bundy story. So at the time, you could freelance agencies. Right. Now you have to sign with your agency. Mm-hmm. Did you freelance agencies? Uh, maybe at some point, mostly I signed. But I remember a lot of people would freelance. Yeah, so the freelance thing was like you have your beeper. Right? And whoever, whoever beeped you first yes. got that audition for you, right? right. So they, everybody would get the call for the McDonald's commercial. But if uh, J. Michael Bloom agency called you first, they got it, right? I was with J. Michael Bloom, too. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, me too. Everybody loves J. My- Michael Bloom. They all ended up leaving and going to Innovative. Uh-huh. Or or A3, a couple of people from there. Anyway, a uh, little business lingo. <laughs> but... um. So my mom, okay, so no one beeps us about the Radio City Musical's Christmas Spectacular. And my mom was like, I cannot believe it. (laughs) And well, they wanted it. And they all, she calls and she's like calling all the agencies. Like, why don't we have an audition for Laura for this? And they say, "Um, well, she's not, 
11 and they want an 11 year old. She's nine. And she goes, there is nothing my nine year old can't do that 11 year old can do. (gasps) Oh my God. Everybody needs Lorna Bell Bundy in their life (laughs) to believe in them. And so finally she convinced this one agency, Jan Jay, to submit me. Mm-hmm. And we go, and they don't tell my age, but they go, yeah. I get there. My name is not on the list. My name's not on the list. <laughs> but my mom is like, convinces them to let me in. And anyway, I go in, I get a call back, I get the show. So that was my very first um, musical theater experience in New York City. Wow. My professional gig, I was nine and I did the Christmas Spectacular and no one wanted to submit me. And then you had that fun pageant show, right? Which one? Didn't you do? <gasps> oh, I did Britney's- Ruthless. Oh, Ru- yeah, Ruthless. Wasn't that kind of like a pageant show? Ooh, it was about a little girl who killed another little girl for a part of play. <laughs> it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and in that show, that was an off-Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. That actually came from Radio City Music Hall. So the musical director that was uh, conducting the show and putting this version of the Christmas Spectacular together was developing a brand new musical based on the Bad Seed, which ended up becoming Ruthless. And, um, and in fact, in that very first audition, he ran out to say, I don't know, even if she gets this, I need your phone number because I have been looking for a little girl like her to star in this, pl- this musical. And so while I was doing, I did Radio City Musical for two years. And then, um, I did all the readings for Ruthless. And finally, we opened Off-Broadway when I was uh, 10, almost turning 11. And we ran for about a year. And Britney Spears was my understudy. (laughs) I love that. And then Natalie Portman. Yes. And Natalie and I, I connected with Natalie a little bit more than Britney. She was quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, But Natalie was precocious and already a vegetarian at 10. Wow. And uh, we had a lot of fun. We ran around New York City. We prank called people. We had a good time. <laughs> That's so fun. Um, and then you kind of, would you just come back every summer to keep auditioning? Or- oh, that's a good question. So when I was nine, when I got Radio City Music Hall, because of the, uh, the show running through the fall, like rehearsals being running through the fall and the sh- going to January, I couldn't be in school in Kentucky. So I ended up moving to the, to New York city, um, and going to the professional children's school. Yeah. And that began. And because of then ruthless happened after that, Mm -hmm. I ended up staying for five years. Wow. And so these Kentucky people ended up being in New York and, uh, and you know, that led on, I did ruthless uh, I was 10. You know, the musical was very campy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a man dressed in drag playing a woman. By the way, didn't hurt me. Don't know what the whole yeah. thing with the drag <laughs> is. Listen, it's yes. not going to kill your kids. <laughs> yes. But I ended up doing, and I ended up doing my first gay pride parade, performing a song from Ruthless when I was 10. Oh my gosh. <laughs> was there a time in your career where you worried, like, am I ever going to work again? Did you ever go through like a dry spell? Oh, are you kidding me? Every, every three months. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? You're like, I know. You're like, what's wrong with me? Like you could be a lead in something. Yes. 
things come from that, right? Like a movie will come from that or a thing will come from that. And then you have you have dry spells mm-hmm. and you don't get anything for a while or you get really close to a lot of things and you never book them. I mean, one pilot season I tested 10 times. Wow. Didn't get any of them. Wow. And then the last one that I didn't get mm-hmm. called me and said, we think we've made a mistake on the day of their table reading. Oh and they gosh. let the person go and they <gasps> cast me. Oh, my god! Yeah, that's gosh. crazy. Yeah, like, it ain't over till it's over, honey. Wow. Like, you just never know. And that was a real learning experience. Like, do not F up a table read, first of all. <laughs> you might get fired. Yeah. But also, it ain't yeah. over till it's over. Yeah. You just never know. Um, right. But, yeah, there's been a, all kinds of moments. And I think COVID was one of those that was just oh. so hard because, yeah. I mean, none of us were working. And and my sense of expression is through uh, But then you performing. got fairly odd parents during COVID. Uh, yes, just at the tail end of it. Oh, yeah. okay. So you went yeah. through it all. Uh, in 2021, I had just gotten vaccinated, actually. Oh. Um, and then I got an audition for it. But that was on the tails of not getting a pilot I had, uh, I had tested for. Mm. And, you know, every time you don't get something, I have these moments like where will I ever work again? Right. And then I also have the, of course I'm going to work again. Yes. It's like a, du- a dual yeah. moment. And I guess I always have to think back on, yes, I may not have been consistently working every day of the year, mm-hmm. but the universe always provides. The universe always comes in at the end and is yes. like, here you go. Yeah. And you have to look at these moments of rest Mm-hmm. And rest. Yes. But we spend all this time in the middle of projects hustling and hustling and hustling for the next project because we are terrified. Yes. But the reality is the universe has got, got your back and it's time to rest. Right. And it's time to improve your skills or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And on that note, this episode is all about hustling. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've stopped doing, by the way. Have you? Well... I mean, I mean, hustling in terms of even like making this, these episodes are, I'm trying to help people um, know about how to make a living to supplement the artist for those dry spells and things like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but so anyway, I want to tell a story about you. Oh, so God. do you remember this when we did Hairspray together and uh, we're doing Mama, I'm a Big Girl now and you fell off the stage <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you hear you like fall, fall it would have been kind of like you fell almost into the into the orchestra pit or something and then all of a sudden we hear i'm okay <laughs> and i just think that that embodies you 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 fall all the time you're not afraid of falling and you just come right back up i'm okay <laughs> Oh, that was right? hilarious. You're always trying all of these different ventures and trying. I mean, like you had this amazing career as a country singer. And then I don't want to put words in your mouth, but didn't align with your values in a way. Mm-hmm. And so you stopped and it, you were like so high up in the game. It, I Here's the thing. Uh, I have always kind of taken the leap and grown my wings along the way. You know, I've yeah. been that kind of yes. person. Yeah, like me. Um, Just say yes. 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 I'm a yes person. And I also think as an actor, and you know this, mm-hmm. um, 
you cannot evolve your performance unless you take risks. And some of those risks are going to have you falling off the stage, okay? Yes. Some of those risks are going to have you landing flat. Yes. But some of those risks are going to pay off in big, big ways. And you big never risk, know which is which, which. You one never is gonna- know which is which. You can take a good calculated risk. And as you grow and you realize what has worked for you in the past, then the risk taking is, is, it evolves, right? Those aren't risks anymore because you know those work for you. Mm-hmm. But there's no growth without risk taking. There's no growth without mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I look at I, the main, most important thing to me in life is growth. Growth is the most important thing. It's evolving. It's wisdom. It's it's the thing I value the most in whatever that be in my career or my personal life. Um, so I I I don't look at uh, at risks the same way I might have as a child, right? Or um, I don't have a lot of fear around taking chances mm-hmm. in my work or in my and you're not life. afraid of failure. You're just like, okay, well, that was a learning experience. Yes, like, there is I no learned real, something from this. Right. There is no real fail- failure. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's always, a, you, there's a, hey, this isn't working. Let's take a turn. Let's not have this paralyze us. Mm-hmm. What did we learn from this? Now we're at a crossroads. Do we go left or right? We don't stop in the middle and just keep crying yes. and turn around and go back because we already went there. Let's turn around. Let's go down a new road. So let's and, talk about your new chapter in your life, this amazing community that you started. Well, so I, I'll go back a second. Okay. So you had okay. said the thing about country music. Listen, right. I'm from Kentucky. <clears throat> I grew up uh, prior to coming to New York and getting into Broadway on bluegrass and country music, and I loved it. And I became a songwriter when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, and that, as you knew, as we shared our dressing room, yes, and I you would, would read me the songs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I love poetry and stuff. So mm-hmm. I would be writing these songs and I'd be doing gigs like after shows from, from Hairspray and going downtown and performing. I always had a duality. There was always a music career at the same time as there was an acting career. And everybody told me it was impossible. The people in the music industry said you can't be an actor if you want to be a serious musician or can't be a serious actor if mm-hmm. you want to be a musician. Uh, by the way, those barriers don't exist now. Mm. They used to exist. They do not exist now. And um, I tried not to drink that Kool-Aid, right? I uh-huh. tried to get, you know, I'm just expressing myself in whatever way I want. Now, when I did Legally Blonde, they they came and they met each other. And I ended up getting signed to a contract for uni- Universal Music in Nashville um, because I had, be- I had been pursuing that the last six months. I did my vision board the last six months I was at Legally Blonde. And I said, uh-huh. by the time I leave, I'm going to get myself a record deal. And I did. Wow. Um, and now, I really thought I was going to get myself to Nashville and then get one, but it ended up working out a little sooner than I thought. Wow. And none, nothing works out soon in my life. Like ever mm-hmm. at the timeline, I think it's going to work out. It always is late, but that mm-hmm. was not. And, um, and I loved that experience in Nashville. I mm-hmm. loved it. I really, I, I will always say I went into the songwriting cave. Um, I worked with great uh, songwriters. I was signed as a writer to um, EMI that then became Sony Publishing in addition to having the record deal. And so my whole life was writing songs all the time. Mm. Now my acting agents were like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? You just 
got nominated for a Tony in a Broadway show and you left it to go to wow. Nashville. Like, but that was this thing. Like I was always like, I'm going to regret if I don't try this thing, right? Uh-huh. I'm going to regret it. Uh-huh. And I had a wonderful experience writing in Nashville, recording in Nashville and learning that part of it. And my label was really wonderful, U- UMG Nashville, and that they trusted me. I was doing like sketch comedy down there and having a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. they they would like help me film it. And they mm-hmm. would like let me direct my videos. And then mm-hmm. they started to let me direct other artists' things. And Yeah, your videos are so good. I came to be in love with the behind the scenes of artwork there. The writing process, the recording process, the the directing process, the filmmaking process, like all in Nashville. And I was given a license to try things out there that I don't think I would have been given in New York or LA. Yeah. And so it was a very safe training ground um, for the person who really likes to take big risks, right? And mm-hmm. so things went well for me because I I believe I wasn't really a recording artist. I was a visual artist where I had most success was in my music videos. Oh. So I struggled on the radio, even though I had a top five billboard uh, country album, not a lot of rate, like not all the radio stations played my singles. Hmm. And so then my, my record label wanted me to write more songs to try to get a radio hit. Now, when you assign an artist to an agenda like getting a radio hit, that is like the worst thing you can do for someone who really is creative right? because you kind of limit their creativity yeah. and try to get them to copy what exists. So that mm-hmm. wasn't a good thing for me. And that was toxic. Mm. Um, so that was one of the reasons why I started to move away, but also my values. The people in Nashville who are in the industry tend to be more progressive. Mm-hmm. than the people that they are singing to. Now, right. I love the country music audience. Yeah. I really do. The, a lot of them are like my family. Mm-hmm. But I can't get up and say, as an artist, I don't believe in equal rights mm-hmm. for women, right. for LGBTQ, yeah, for people of color. And you would have to do that? No, you wouldn't. But I wanted to actually... Stand, you wanted to stand up. I wanted to make a... St- I right. I wanted I started to feel like I must do something. Mm. I must do something. It's you know 2016 election that hit a lot of us the mm-hmm. same way, and we had this women's movement in 2000 early 2017 with the March on Washington. That that was like the biggest w- women's movement since the 70s, mm. and women were terrified to lose the rights that they had. In that moment, I thought, well, we can march, but you ain't seen nothing until you hear us sing. (laughs) And so I did this concert at the town hall called Double Standards, where, you know, singers or Broadway stars would, two females would come together to sing a duet on a jazz standard in the name of women's rights and women's health. We ended up raising over $100,000 for ACLU and Planned Parenthood and National Breast Cancer Coalition. I did that. All by myself. Wow. Now I had help, but it was my idea. And yeah. I, I was like, holy shit, it's the hardest thing I ever had to do, <laughs> ever did. And it was the most rewarding. Wow. And from there, everybody said, well, you should make an album. I thought, well, do I make an album of the music that everybody did? Mm-hmm. But what I did is I just took the style of a jazz standard and I started writing original songs around women's issues. Mm-hmm. And so then I did this album, Women of Tomorrow, and I'd always wanted to do a jazz album too. It's like jazz meets pop. Mm -hmm. And every song addresses a different issue women are facing today. 
And that then led to the podcast I do with Broadway Podcast Network, where we go deeper into those songs. We talk about the history of the issue. Mm. And then we invite a guest on. So then that we did the podcast and we formed a nonprofit called Women of Tomorrow as well. And we have just now launched a community for women because we realized after these concerts or people um, listening to the album or the podcast that they would get fired up but have no action plan for their activism. Mm-hmm. And so we, in January, just launched the Women of Tomorrow community and app uh, where we have classes and events and resources like activism sheets that help uh, women activate their activism around causes that they care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Female Fight Club every Tuesday at 3 p.m., taught by Dr. Emily Bonestell Postal, who's a sociologist. We go deep into those issues and why they exist. And then we learn about what the rights are in every every uh, state and how to call your senator and all the things. Um, and then we have something we call that there's a duality, activism and intervism. We realize if we really care about women's rights, and we care about female equality, we have to go within, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes there are structures. Everybody deserves to live an authentic life. Mm-hmm. Everybody, every woman deserves, and every man deserves to live an authentic life. Now, sometimes there are structures in place that keep people from living authentic lives, whether that's laws or rules against them, mm-hmm. or whether there's a barriers for them getting seats at the table or making money or et cetera, et cetera. That's where the activism counts breaking down those structures, doing the work to get out there to help all women, even when you have rights, live an authentic life. But then there's that part two. And that is, why do you believe that you're the one that can make a difference? And that's where we have to make all women believe that they are powerful just by innately being who they are. This years of patriarchy and rights against them have have allowed us to absorb the fact that we are secondary citizens, but we are not. So those intervism classes are about dispelling limiting belief systems that keep us from being in our full power, that keep us from communicating in an empowering way versus a disempowering way. We have classes on communicating in a way you can be heard, negotiation, financial planning, as you were in the car with me as I listened to that class. You have fun classes too. Yes. And then you have like the yoga and the meditation and the scrapbooking, like what, what you did, visualizing the... Um... Yes, we have a, vi- a vision class, which is like getting straight on the vision that you want. Mm-hmm. And that goes along with avoiding overwhelm. You know, women take on a lot. We, we are the doers. We're like, yes, we'll do this and we'll do that. And we'll yeah. just guilt around not being enough, a good enough mom, not being a good enough employee, not being a good enough wife, not being a good enough, you know, whatever. And um, when we can get clear on what our vision is, what do we want for ourselves in those categories? What are the most important things? Then we will stop doing all the things that are not important. But until we can get clear on what it is, this is really what do I want to accomplish as a mom? And this is really what I want to accomplish and happen as, as a partner. And this is what I want to accomplish and do in my career. All that other extra stuff that comes in, we don't have to do all that. And mm-hmm. that's how we can avoid burnout and overwhelm and things like that. We have a class on that as well. <laughs> so um, it's like any area. And we tell our members, uh, what do you need? We'll, mm-hmm. we'll create a class for it. So there's yoga, there's Pilates, there's meditation, there's sound bath healing, there's yeah. for sweat's sake, there's Zumba. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of classes are taught by Broadway people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Our, a lot of our like dance fitness stuff is power how pose do, dance How do pose. people um, find out and join? So um, you can go to womenoftomorrow.org. Now we spell women, W-O-M-X-N. So it's anyone who identifies as a woman. And, uh, and you can join, you can follow me on Instagram and you'll see at the top of my Instagram bio, it says founder of women of tomorrow. So then you can follow women of tomorrow and that you can easily in my bio is also how you can. And what's your Instagram so they can find you? I'm at Laura Bell Bundy. Easy. Okay. And we'll put this, we'll put this on the um, podcast page too. We'll put all. And we actually, uh, this month is sexual assault awareness month. And uh, a lot of our content is around um, healing trauma. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean that you have needed to have had a sexual assault or abuse in your life. Traumas are similar in that way that they need to be released and healed from. So there's yoga for trauma release today. We have a sound bath healing. We have a bunch of different things right now. But if you use, use the code PAGE you get a free month to try Women of Tomorrow out and oh. you can cancel at any time. Awesome. And we have uh, about 20 to 30 classes a month. Mm-hmm. And if you get on our app and you miss anything, if you've missed anything, you can catch it on demand. Because we recognize like, listen, we're busy. We don't yeah. have, we do not have time to take a class a day. Mm-hmm. No, we do not. But we can do that on our own time if we want to investigate a subject or we want to just take all the yoga classes for our fitness, you know, anything like that. So, so great. It's so great that you started this. It's fun. I'm learning a lot, actually, because I'm (laughs) taking a lot of the classes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I know you are. (laughs) You were doing them all while we were away in Florida. I know. So last question is, since this is for young actors, what do you wish you knew when you were starting out or, you know, now that you're not old like me, but (laughs) older? (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, Carrie. We are getting up there. (laughs) That's a hard question because there's so many things I wish I did know. Hmm. Here's one. Okay. I think it's really important to identify why you became an actor. Yes. Because at the end of the day, that's what you have to remember when the shit hits the fan. Okay. Mm -hmm. When it gets hard, the going gets tough. It's important to remember why you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll give you an example. And I didn't always know why. Uh I was an actor because as I told this story, I was sort of thrust into this as a child, but I always enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I have come to realize what is it that I love? The energy that I love is the play. Mm -hmm. I love to play. I never really got over that part of my childhood. I love to mimic. I love to play. That's why we call them plays. Mm -hmm. That's why we play music. It's playing. So for me, it's being in a state of play. And being an actor allows me to be in a state of play. And that's why I love it. And that's why I do it. 
So how can I be in a state of play every step of the way in my career? How can I show up in an audition? Yes. And be in a state of play because that's what it, now some people might say, I love to express myself. I love to escape myself. That's why I do it. I escape right. myself yeah. or I'm express myself. Well, how can you step into that audition and do that thing that you love? How can you make that audition, that opportunity to do that thing that you love? So for me, I step into an audition. I might even bring props. Yes. If it helps me get into a state of play. And the one thing that I learned along the way is that I cannot get into a state and of play if I'm looking at my lines. Mm. So I know now I got to be off book before an audition and I got to be off book before I step into rehearsal to do a scene. Not, I don't have oh, to be off book beginning. for the very right. first day uh -huh. of rehearsal. So just, you know what we're going to do this scene tomorrow, then yes. you're off, you work right. at that night. Exactly. You just told me tomorrow. We're going to do scenes two and three and four. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to learn scenes two, three, and four. And I'm going to come tomorrow having them in my head. I also know that to be in a state of play, I have to do my homework in advance of the of rehearsal, mm -hmm. which is the backstory for my character. Right. And that's fun. That's also in a state of play. Don't yeah. miss that part. That's mm -hmm. creative writing. You know, mm -hmm. that's like... totally. Well, I think they're like this, and I think their voice yeah. is like this, and I think they hold their body like this. And I mm -hmm. let's examine it. Let's have some fun. Um, let's get into the psyche of the character because then, then you know what the body language of the character is. You know what the voice of the character is. Is this character hold themselves? Is this character positive and optimistic? Do they hold themselves high? Is this character uh, jaded and dissatisfied with life? Do they hold themselves down towards the ground? Mm -hmm. That would also change the way that they speak. If they're positive and optimistic, their voice is going to be more in a high place. Right, if they're right. jaded, they're going to be more down like this. So like, there's all kinds of information we're getting from the script. And when we step into the rehearsal, we can play in a way that is high uh, function playing, right? Like, we can we can do um playing at its highest highest perform high perform high performance playing is what i call being a really great actor is high performance playing yeah and so that is what i wish i had known but it took me years to realize that's what yeah. it was for me right and so something else that i'm going to say for young actors is i believe that there is uh call this woo-woo, you know, whatever. It works for me. I believe that we draw unto us what we are and what we're projecting, right? If we're projecting posi positivity and optimism, we get it back. Mm. If we're projecting and the living embodiment of playing, we're going to draw more opportunities to play to us. Mm. When we get stuck in this place of negativity yes. or our life is super boring or routine, we kind of need to snap out of that. Like, hey, we're going to take a day. We're going to go to, we're going to do something completely spontaneous. We're going to get on the train. We're not going to know where we're going. We're going <laughs> to show up somewhere. And we're like, hey, we ended up at uh, the bottom of the queen at, you know, the end or the R. Who, where are <laughs> we? Let's go somewhere. Let's grab, let's grab some dinner. Like which train gets us to the beach? Right. But. There's like living spontane. There is almost like this thing. If you want more spontaneity in your life, do more spontaneity. If you mm -hmm. want more fun in your life, 
have more fun. If you want more play, play more. Yeah. Even if that's playing with your kid. Amazing advice. Amazing. Thank you so much, Laura Bell Bundy, for being here. And everybody, Laura Bell's about to start rehearsals for a new Broadway show, The Cottage. Everybody go see her in that. And you have an end and join her community, Women of Tomorrow. Join Women of Tomorrow. You can check out the podcast. We're going to have Carrie on to talk about the causes that are important to her. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Carrie. Love you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like me to come to your school or theater group and give a masterclass or a talk back, please reach out at carriebutlercoach.com. If you like this podcast and want more episodes, please go to bpn.fm slash breaking broadway and subscribe, like, or share. Together you and I are breaking Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.